Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role joy plays in our own journey. Hello and welcome to episode 112. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. Hello and welcome to episode 112. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the show, the amazing writer and author, Alexandra Franzen, is joining me to share all about her upcoming book, which is called You're Going to Survive. This book is all about the hard things that come with our work in whatever kind of job you are at. She got super curious about the question of what is the worst moment of your career and what happened? And she found out that when people answered this question, the answer was very often a story of great self-empowerment. Nearly universally, people who have had a horrible work experience turn their setbacks into opportunities. So we're going to chat about terrible bosses, weird co-workers, and how to find your joy even when you feel like you've hit rock bottom in your career. I'm super excited about this interview. (laughs) A few notes before we get to the interview this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so glad that you are here. Jumpstart Your Joy is a podcast that looks at how people are choosing joy in their lives. Oftentimes, it is the hardest choice that anybody will ever make to get up and decide to follow joy in a given day. And so if you're new to the show, there is a ton of information over at the website, which is jumpstartyourjoy.com. There's all 111 past episodes ready for a listen. And there is a free e-course that you can enroll in to help you find more joy in your day-to-day life. And you can find all of that at jumpstartyourjoy.com. So let's move on to the show. I love this interview because of the tenacity that Alex describes in many of the people that she interviewed for her book, You're Going to Survive. The issue of having a bad work experience is unfortunately so relatable, and it's amazing to have someone share the stories of hope and, frankly, joy that come from having been in those really awful situations. I know that I personally have been at a couple of jobs that were just heart-wrenchingly bad, you know, and have had some bosses that were regrettable, if not not somewhat tyrannical. And so it was really a joy to get to speak to Alex about this thing that is so universal and also just can cause so much anxiety and angst in our lives. The main takeaway from this episode is the theme of this day is not over yet. Alex very graciously shares about how she had heard this phrase in her own head on one particularly down day and how it motivated her to turn the day around. I love this because it is so close to the quote that motivated me and motivates me every day, which is joy is a choice and we must keep choosing it. So let's get on to the interview with Alexandra. Welcome to the podcast today. I am so excited to be speaking with Alexandra Franson, who is just releasing her new book, You're Going to Survive. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Thank you. I'm so happy to chat with you today. Yay! Yay! (laughs) I know, it's so fun to have someone on that, yeah, we kind of know mutual people, and it's so great to speak with you. The first question I like to ask everybody is, 
tell us a little bit about what you loved most as a child or in school. What were your earliest sparks of joy? Well, as a child, uh, very, very early on, it was evident that I was an extreme introvert. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, I was definitely the kid who, you know, if I got in trouble, if my parents said, go to your room, I was like, sweet. (laughs) That felt like a treat rather than a punishment. I loved being alone. I loved reading. I was a huge reader. I would always hang out in the library at school. And I loved writing even from an early age. I would make little stories and little picture books and uh, staple them together with the stapler from my dad's office. And, uh, you know, just stories and books and and kind of introspective stuff (laughs) was always something I loved even as a kid. Yeah, I can totally relate to, I used to love to make little picture books as well, like copy drawings from other books and like write my own stories. It's always fun. I don't know. It's so creative and fun for little kids when they... It can tap into that in a way that works for them. It is, yeah. And I, you know, like many people, I I loved expressing myself creatively as a kid, as a teenager, even in college. And then I sort of let it fall away. And and for uh, there were really many years in my 20s when I didn't really write or create anything outside of, you know, sort of tasks that were assigned to me at my job. And, and that was a sad thing. And I really missed it. And I'm glad that I found a way kind of in my mid-20s, to, to bring that back, you know, and to, and to start writing again and, and actually eventually make writing my full-time career. But mm. yeah, there was a gap. There was a lull where creativity kind of fell out of my life. Yeah, that's interesting because I know I, I had a similar thing and it's always been an intentional return to whatever that creative thing is. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that, of how you've made space to become a writer and how you've followed your creative instincts to get there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's an ongoing journey, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yes. uh, when I was kind of in my mid-20s, the, the story was that I, I had gotten a job. I was working for a radio station for a, a public broadcasting company, actually. And, you know, it was one of, it's kind of the classic story of, on paper, it was this dream job. It was a great company. My boss was awesome. You know, everything was awesome, except that I was really unhappy. And I really didn't like working in a cubicle. I really didn't like the nine to five schedule. Even though I was working for an amazing company, I still felt, you know, very, very suffocated, I guess you could say. And again, this is nothing, not to say anything bad about my employers. They were great. But it just wasn't the right environment for me. You know, I was not meant to be in that kind of position. And so, you know, I started to realize, I know this isn't the right career path for me. You know, I, I know I'm not meant to be here for the next 10, 15, 20 years. So, so then what, you know, what am mm-hmm. I supposed to do with, with my life? And I, I really had no idea. I was very confused and very overwhelmed for a while I knew I wanted to do something that felt creative and, you know, ideally and in sort of my fantasies, this would mean working as a writer somehow. But I didn't know how to make money, you know, doing that. It was, there were a lot of question marks. And it really took me, you know, quite a few years to start putting some pieces in place and figuring things out. And, you know, if we flash forward about eight years, I have, you know, sort of figured it out. Uh, I now work as a writer, I work as an editor, I do communication and writing consulting and coaching with different clients, I write books, I teach classes, you know, I've, I've kind of pieced it together, but it took a long time <laughs> to get there. 
And and even today, you know, there are some new challenges. For example, you know, I'm I'm very happy and very blessed that now I actually have a lot of clients, uh, sometimes more clients than I can even handle, which is wonderful. But now the new challenge is, okay, how do I make time, you know, amidst this business that I've created for my own personal art projects? Because I don't want those to get lost in the shuffle. So, yeah, it's like with each new chapter of my career, there's sort of a new, a new challenge. And it always seems to revolve around the same thing, which is how do we, you know, make money, pay our bills, pay our taxes, do the responsible adult stuff, and also still create a healthy amount of space for just the art projects that we want to put into the world. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And there's so, oh, wow. There's so much in there that's like, oh, just so ripe of like, I don't know. We all kind of go through that thing where we get distanced from the thing that we love. And then so many of us in an entrepreneurial way, try to get back to it and find the way. And I, and I love what our mutual friend, Michelle Ward likes to say is that she's never met the person who, what is it? didn't figure out the how after they knew what the the what was basically like once we know mm-hmm. oh yeah that's that thing i love like then she's always seen people figure out the how and i just yeah. want to like highlight like it's eight years later and you feel like you've got it figured out but there's it's still not easy because it's so yeah people yeah, get discouraged an, quickly yeah, i think there's an ebb and flow for sure i mean i think right now what i feel very clear about is that you know i love writing I love the written word. I love helping other people to write. I teach a lot of writing classes, and that brings me a lot of joy. I love helping people finish projects, which is why I love working with clients, because I get to help them you know, envision and create and finish a new piece of art, basically, a new podcast, a new website, a new book, whatever it may be. So all of that really feeds me. And then, yeah, the challenge for me is doing all of that and still figuring out how to mark down you know, an entire week or even an entire month in the year, that's just for me. So I can write a novel or I can work on a screenplay or something like that. I don't have kids, but I hear from a lot of parents who are friends of mine expressing a similar feeling of like, I want to take really good care of my kids and I want to go to Hawaii for a week by myself. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's the, the tension of figuring out, you know, how to do both of those things so that we can have a life that feels like both and rather than either or. Yeah. Well, do you have any insights on that one? Like if somebody's feeling in that that stuck space of like, okay, because I also love what you've said about the business, like it's grown and now there's these new challenges with it. But like, how do you when everything feels like it's pressing in, whether that be with the kids or with the business, or you have a nine to five job? Like, how do you make the space? Yeah, this is a great question. You know, for me, and this may sound really simplistic, but this is what helps me. It's all about scheduling. It's all about, you know, getting my Google calendar for the month ahead or for the season ahead and literally scheduling the things that are important to me. So, I mean, if you look at my calendar on any given week, I schedule my yoga classes. I schedule my workouts. I schedule calls with clients and I schedule time for my own writing too. Like if something really matters to me, it needs to physically go on my calendar, just having it sort of in my head as a concept is Mm -hmm. not enough. It's not going to happen. So I'm a really, really big supporter of just going old school and busting out your day planner or your calendar or wherever you keep track of your life and actually scheduling the things that that are really important to you 
both business related and art related and personal, whatever it is, get it, get it down on there. Because I think that begins to make it real because you're, you're literally creating space in your life for what it is that you want. Yes. Oh yeah, that is good. And I, it does seem simple, but I think it's so easy to get caught in the day to day and just be in that space. I mean, I know I've even been there the last week myself where it's like, I don't have any time. How am I making this all work? So yeah, totally. The the nudge to go back to simple, like it is that easy. Yeah, but back to basics. You know, we sometimes I think overcomplicate these things a lot, and you know, maybe it can be just as simple as putting things on your calendar. And then you know, I think the challenge is emotionally treating those things on your calendar with equal importance, right? So, for example, I have a friend who every Friday. She marks down on her calendar, she calls it art day. And that's her day to not work with clients, not have coffee dates, not have meetings, not drive around town, just work on art projects like her memoir and other projects that she wants to do. And she has a lot of weeks where art day goes really well and she's really proud of herself and she takes the whole day just for her projects. And then she has other weeks where it doesn't go so well and, you know, a a client will call at the last moment with sort of an urgent need and, and she'll go, Oh, I can kind of, okay, I'll squeeze it into art day. And then, you know, art day sort of falls apart. So we have to be firm with ourselves and this is really hard to do. I struggle with it too, for sure. But, you know, when we've made a commitment to someone else, we try to keep it. And we, when we've made a commitment to ourselves, we have to keep that too. Because it's easy to let it go. And yeah, everyone else first, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I think there's so many reasons for that. You know, I, I know that it's fun to work with clients and it's fun to get sort of the instant gratification of like, yay, the project's completed. I get my invoice paid. Hooray. You know, that's, <laughs> it's a sort of a, it's not simple experience, but it's, there's a sense of instant gratification. Whereas when you're working on maybe a bigger art project or, or a personal project, you don't always necessarily get that instant sense of, yay, it's done, I'm paid, hooray. You know, it, it might be longer or it might be more complex or emotional. So we maybe shy away from that <laughs> a little bit more than with other types of work. Yeah, and I think that's kind of part of the complexity of the creative process, right? That like, it, well, it, it kind of coupled in with that thing that we all tend to distance ourselves from something that seems uncomfortable instead of just maybe yeah. staying with it to see what comes, you know, two weeks later if we keep at it. Yeah, it's so funny. I think so often in life, it's like we ignore or we push aside the stuff that is the most important. (laughs) I don't know why we do this as human beings, but it seems like such a common pattern. Yeah, for sure. Would you like to, I mean, we've talked a little bit about what you do, but would you like to share a little bit about what you do and what you've been working on with this new book? Yeah, definitely. So the new book is called You're Going to Survive. And it is, uh, it comes from a very personal place, which I can talk about in a moment, but it's basically a book that is a collection of true stories and advice about stressful, discouraging times in your career. So it has stories uh, from my own life and career about, you know, ups and downs in my journey as a writer and entrepreneur. And then it also has stories from about, I think about 30 other people that I spoke to and interviewed and stories from, you know, dancers and singers and Broadway performers and attorneys and nonprofit directors and graphic designers, all kinds of different careers. And I asked each person, you know, can you tell me 
a story about the worst moment of your career, like a rock bottom moment when you felt so defeated or so discouraged and what happened and, and how did you feel and what did you learn in the process? And people shared, I mean, as you can imagine, just the most amazing stories. Some are, are really sad and, and some are really beautiful and some are really funny. <laughs> and all of them, all of them, though, have ultimately a message of empowerment of, you know, no matter what is going on in your life or even if you've made a horrible mistake or, you know, if you feel totally beaten down, this isn't the end of your story. You know, it's always possible to turn things around. It's always possible to turn a setback into an opportunity and you're going to be okay. You're going to survive. So that's what this book is about. Well, and it's so funny. I mean, I can only imagine that people also, when you said, what's the worst thing that's happened to you at work? I mean, we kind of, we all have one of those moments. What was, I imagine you got some funny reactions when you asked that of people Were there stories even just about the, yeah, I want to talk to you. It was so funny because, I mean, first of all, yes, everyone has a story. (laughs) It was really interesting because every single person I spoke to was like, oh my God, have I got a story for you? Which, (laughs) which Which is great because it reminded me, you know, we all go through ups and downs, you know, whether you're an intern just starting out or whether you're the CEO or whether you're a celebrity or whether you're a famous author or, you know, whatever, whatever type of work you do, you're a presidential, you know, nominee for your party. There, there are going to be huge ups and huge downs and there are going to be, you know, stressful days and discouraging times and disappointments. And, and we all go through this stuff and none of us are alone. And that was really comforting to remember uh, probably one of my favorite stories that was shared with me comes from a friend of mine named Teresa, who is a professional tarot card reader and astrologer and, and has done that work for about 30 years. Wow. And she told me this unbelievable story that was, it was so, so dark. It was actually funny <laughs> where she got hired many, many, many years ago to read tarot cards at a party, at a house party. And she didn't really know the client, but they had found her somehow and they called her and set it up. And she showed up at the party and right away realized that her client was a violent drug lord and gangster. And everyone at the party had a gun or a knife and it was a totally seedy, terrifying situation. And then the mafia, you know, kingpin has her sit down at the table and the first question he asks her as she's shuffling her tarot deck is, which of my boys can I trust? So now she's (laughs) literally sitting there shuffling her tarot deck, you know, her knees are shaking, she's sweating bullets, and now she has to, you know, deliver an answer that's going to make her client happy and also hopefully not get, you know, his associates murdered. (laughs) And it was just one of those, like, can't even believe this is happening moments, but she held her composure and she got out of there and she went home and, you know, cried and freaked out. And, uh, but she survived and she set some new policies after that <laughs> in her business, such as, you know, I will not do parties anymore unless I know the client personally and things mm-hmm. like that. But I always think about that story when I'm having kind of a difficult day at work and I remind myself, you know, well, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> I could be, <laughs> I could be, you know, in a life or death situation. So it kind of puts things into perspective, you know? Yeah. And it also reminds us that when we're in that moment of feeling like this is the worst thing that I've ever had happen professionally or personally, that 
that what like kind of the instinct in fear is to isolate ourselves, but that it's yeah. not like that's a story. Like it's not true that it's not true that we're alone. I mean, it may be true that no one has had this exact same thing like Teresa's thing have like that hasn't happened to everyone for sure. But but we're not alone. Like other people have been that scared. And, and yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think when we're going through something tough, not all of us, but many of us our instinct is to sort of withdraw and, you know, pull up in our apartment and hide and not talk about it. Maybe we're ashamed to talk about it or we're scared or, you know, whatever. So we kind of isolate ourselves, but I don't think that's helpful. You know, I know for me personally, what helps me to feel better after a stressful day is going to a yoga class, calling my mom, talking it out with my boyfriend, talking it out with a friend or hearing stories, whether they're a podcast or a book or whatever, from other people who have been through similar challenges. Because, yeah, I I need that reminder that, you know, I'm not the first person to go through this. I probably won't be the last. I'm not alone. I'm not a freak. (laughs) You know, this is part of the human experience. And we're all in this together. Yes. Yes. So true. Well, and I know I mentioned that like when I saw that this was your your latest book, that I was so excited to have you on the show because it feels like there's this little bitty moment I imagine that most people probably identified when they're in that rock bottom place. Or I was also struck that I love Brene Brown's book of Rising Strong. And it feels like there's a synergy there with that. But like, what is that little moment where you're like, that was the worst thing I've ever had happen. And then the <laughs> next step is like, and yet I'm going to continue. I mean, like, it feels like it's, I mean, in the way that I talk about the show, it's that joy is a choice. And yeah. I don't know if you have some, I don't know, either stories to share or something that came out of the discussions you had about that moment where you're like, oh, crap. And now here's the next thing I get to do or I have to do. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think it's, it, this is kind of a central question about being human. There are mm-hmm. so many challenges in life and there are so many opportunities to quit, you know, to quit whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, whether it's training for a 10K race or starting a business or writing a book or whatever. You know, there's so many opportunities to just throw up your hands and say, whatever, I'm over it, you know, too hard, I quit. And yet, <laughs> there's this beautiful quote that I love. I, I the, the person is Christian D. Larson. And they say, there's something inside of you that is stronger than any obstacle. And I really believe that that's true. I, I do think there is something about the human spirit where, you know, as much as we can procrastinate and stall and whine and moan and make excuses, we also all have inside of us that something, that thing that is stronger than any obstacle, and it's mm-hmm. there, and we can choose to use it mm-hmm. or not. And uh, one of the stories that I, I put into the book is actually a story about my brother, who, who I admire so much. He's a wonderful musician and composer, and he has created this amazing career for himself as a full-time musician, which is not easy to do. And when he was a teenager, he and his buddies would play music on the sidewalk, you know, and, and have an open saxophone case and hope to get a few dollars tossed in as people walked by. And I remember going to see him play on the sidewalk. And I remember, you know, watching him and his buddies play and and really, they weren't very good yet. <laughs> and uh, and also, most people wouldn't stop and listen. They would sort of ignore them or pass by. They would very rarely get any tips or any recognition at all. And I remember thinking, especially as I got older, like, 
it would have been so easy for my brother to quit at that point. It would have been so easy and, and understandable for him to just go, well, this sucks. You know, no one's listening to my music. No one's tipping any dollars. No one's buying our, our little albums. You know, screw this and, and just go do something else with his life. But for some reason, he didn't quit. You know, he just kept going. And now, of you know, 25 years later, as a man in his 40s, he has created this incredible career for himself in music. And I think about that a lot. You know, I think about him as a 15-year-old boy and him now as a 40-something-year-old man and how all throughout our lives, you know, there are all these opportunities to quit. And yet he didn't. He chose not to. And look what became possible because of that simple choice just not to quit. So... Yeah, and I think we all face those choices all the time, and we just have to decide, not quitting, not today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. And it's funny, the funny little things that then seem so big, and then looking back, you're so glad I didn't quit over that one small thing. Exactly, because it wasn't that yeah. big of a deal, or it taught me X, Y, or Z, or it, yeah, introduced me yeah. to this person, or because it, it does feel like there's so many opportunities to quit. Totally. Yeah. Constant opportunities. <laughs> but I guess you could reframe that and, and think to yourself, well, there's also constant opportunities to keep going, you know, to, to persevere <laughs> yes. regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know that you've mentioned before a little bit about, I imagine what was at the core of this, the creation of this book. And I'll link up to your interview. It was a couple years ago with Jess Lively, which is amazing. And people need to go <laughs> listen to because it's just, it's a good one. But you talk about that moment where you say today is not over yet. Is that like your mantra through this book for yourself as you were writing? Yeah, yeah. Today is not over yet is one of those, I guess you could call it a mantra or a personal reminder mm -hmm. that I say to myself all the time because it's always true, right? <laughs> whether it's, whether it's you, know, uh, you know, 1 a.m. in the morning or 11 p.m. at night, no matter what time of day it is, today is not over yet, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is kind of funny. And it's one of those phrases that I say to myself, especially when I'm feeling defeated or having a rough day at work or, you know, maybe I've been kind of lazy and I've been procrastinating and I haven't achieved as much as I hoped I would. And now it's 5 p.m. and I'm sort of like, ugh, well, today is just a waste. Well, maybe not, right? Because today is not over yet. And there's always time to turn things around. There's always time to end the day on a positive note, even if it's something as small as, you know, writing a thank you note to someone you care about or calling your mom for five minutes to chat and laugh or, you know, reading one poem that you really love and that leaves you feeling inspired. Like there's always something, right, that we can do to end the day on a somewhat positive note. And I love that. And that, that definitely is a message in uh, my book, You're Going to Survive. And I actually have a story called Today is Not Over Yet <laughs> inside the book. And it's, yes, it's a huge message. In fact, I think Today is Not Over Yet might be the final sentence of the book, <laughs> if I remember correctly. <laughs> That's wonderful. Do you want to share a little bit about the story that you share in the book? Yeah, yeah. It's a story that I actually shared on my blog a couple years ago. And it was so interesting because it was one of those things where I, I wrote it out and I posted it on my blog and I sent it to my email newsletter. And it was just kind of an ordinary, everyday story. There was nothing dramatic about it. For some reason, people responded really strongly. And I think it was they were responding to the message, right? Today is not over yet. 
so what happened, you know, really briefly is that I was just basically having a kind of a lazy day. I, I overslept. I, I was felt groggy when I woke up. I had to do a long drive, which sort of, you know, put a kink in my day. I got home. It was rainy. I didn't really get any work done. It was just one of those days where it, it all just kind of felt like a waste, you know, and mm-hmm. and now it's getting close to the end of the day. And, and I remember <laughs> I was about to order a pizza and just sort of say, well, you know, today was a waste, but I'll try to do better tomorrow. And I was ready to just get a pizza and kind of curl up on the couch and, and check out, basically. And as I was <laughs> like typing the number of the pizza restaurant <laughs> into my phone, I remember hearing a voice in my head, like really hearing a voice in my head as if someone was speaking to me. And it was, it was almost startling. And the voice just said, today is not over yet. And it stopped me in my tracks. And I realized that's so true. Today is not over yet. And, you know, I, in that moment, I just turned everything around. I decided to sign up for a yoga class. I went to the yoga class. I had an amazing time. It felt so good. On the way home, I, I called my parents and chatted with them and had just a beautiful conversation. Then I went and I was able to, at the last moment, book myself, I think, a massage. And I had this incredible massage and it was so awesome. And I felt so inspired. And I walked home, you know, through the drizzling rain and it was so refreshing. And I got home and I felt inspired to write. And I ended up writing, you know, several essays and articles that night and sharing them. And and I remember falling asleep that night and just feeling like, you know, what had started as kind of the most glum, boring, lazy, soggy, unproductive day of my year ended up being one of the most beautiful and, and meaningful and, and energizing days of my year. And it all turned around because of this idea, today is not over yet, because even though it was about 5 p.m., I decided to change the direction that my day was going. And that has been such a, an important reminder for me so many times in my life that we always have the capacity to do that. We always have that power. And thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, because it is easy to feel like a day has been wasted or whatever, or that I imagine a similar thread here would be that this horrible thing has happened at work. And so now, you know, whatever, now it's just, it's awful. But but catching ourselves in that moment and saying, wait, no, no, there's still a choice here of like how I show up and what I do next, that is the differentiator. And it's always hard. I mean, and that's kind of interesting that the, what the quote from which I get a lot of inspiration around the show is that joy is a choice and we must keep choosing it. That it's, and then, you know, kind of the pitch around that too, is that like, it's often the hardest choice you're going to make in a day. It's similar to your decision of like, this day isn't over. Like that's, you could have just, (laughs) yep, here's the pizza and the couch and I'm done. But yeah, (laughs) it takes something else to like wake up to that choice. I don't know. Do you have a sense of what the differentiator is between the time that someone phones it in and the meaning says I'm done with this day and and it is over or the time that the person says, no, you're right. This day isn't over yet. Yeah. You know, I mean, what is the differentiator? I mean, I, I have a client named Andrea, Andrea Isabel Lucas, who's an amazing woman. And she often talks about shifting from, I mean, she's not the only person who talks about this, but she talks about shifting from like a victim mindset Mm. to an empowered, you know, hero mindset. 
So rather than saying, oh, today has been so awful, my boss was so mean, you know, my inbox is ridiculous, blah, 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 and kind of perceiving yourself as sort of a helpless victim being battered around by circumstances, shifting the mindset to, you know, I'm not a victim here, I'm not helpless, I'm not powerless, I have a lot of power, you know, maybe I don't control everything, I don't control the weather, I don't control, you know, other people's behavior, but I control my own behavior and I get to decide what happens next. And I get to decide if I'm going to eat a pizza alone on the couch or if I'm going to go to yoga and call my mom and write a thank you letter and go to bed feeling good. So, yeah, shifting from the, the feeling of powerlessness to power, I think, is what it's all about. And it, it is a choice. And it, it's as you put it, it, it might be the hardest choice you make all day, but it, it is a choice and it is within your ability to make that choice. Yeah. And letting go. I mean, I, I think the things that I've seen and other guests have said is like kind of letting go of what the story you might have around what making that choice means or like, or putting a value on what joy means. Cause some people are like, ah, oh, joy, it's just silly. Like, well, but no, <laughs> like you deciding to have a good day or somebody choosing something that feels better for today than it felt yesterday. I think that's as important as any decision we make. Totally, totally. It's it upgrades your quality of life, right? <laughs> yes, it's a big deal. Oh yes. Ah, thank you for sharing those pieces. I feel like it also. I mean, I loved reading your internet pledge recently on your site, and it, I mean, it also kind of ties directly into this this choice part. Would you talk about what led you to the internet pledge? And I don't know. I feel like there's probably been some strong reactions to it. If, if you want to talk about those too. Yeah, yeah. So a little while ago, I wrote this piece that I put on my website and that I shared with my newsletter that I call the Internet Pledge. Uh, and it was basically a sort of a code of conduct of that, uh, a list of, you know, communication guidelines and principles and behavior that, that I aspire to uphold, that I promise to uphold to the best of my abilities and that I would love to see others uphold too. And it's really basic stuff like, you know, think before you post a mean, snarky comment <laughs> or think before you type, you know, a nasty note into a customer service form on a website because eventually the words that you type are going to reach another living human being and they're going to affect that human being's day. And, you know, think when you love a podcast or a video series or a public radio show and then they ask for donations once a year rather than just tuning it out, you know, give what you can or at least leave a review or send a positive comment. Don't consume mindlessly on the internet. So just really basic stuff like that. That is, I mean, really just common sense, but I think so many of us forget this stuff a lot, especially online where you know, we're interacting with each other, but there's this separation of this digital screen. And sometimes we forget just how impactful our words and actions can actually be on other people's lives, positive and negative. And, you know, this was, it was really born out of a place of, of me wanting to improve my own behavior and hopefully lead by example. I'm definitely one of those people who, you know, in the past, I've certainly visited those kind of gross websites where they post the photos of the celebrities and who's pregnant and who's getting divorced and this and that. And I sort of took pleasure in, you know, gorging on that material. And, and there came a point, uh, you know, in the recent past where I sort of thought, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, like, this isn't, 
this isn't the person I want to be. And this isn't, you know, what I aspire to model for others. And I want to think more carefully about my, my actions and my consumption and my words and, and how what I do affects other people's lives. And so, yeah, the Internet Pledge was born out of that. And the reaction has actually been really positive. I, I got lots of emails in response from people saying, you know, I'll take the pledge, I'll sign it. Uh, sharing it with people that they love. I, I didn't really get any negative reaction from that one. Uh, I certainly have gotten negative reactions from other stuff that I've written in the past. But I think that the Internet Pledge resonated with people and sort of appealed to people's common sense. Yeah. Uh, because we all, of course, we all want a safe and compassionate world. Of course, we all want a safe and compassionate internet. Of course, no one wants to be a bully, you know, whether uh, intentionally or inadvertently. I think none of us want that. So hopefully this pledge was sort of just a, a common sense reminder of how we all really want to behave. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I loved it for that reason. And for also seeing myself in some of what you know, I'll, I'll be candid. That's sometimes it's so easy just to get into that. Like you're upset and you're reacting and then, yeah, it's, you know, you, you just wanted something to be right and then it's not. <laughs> so how do you react <laughs> to that moment? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard, you know, and look, none of us are perfect. Of course, <laughs> right. you know, I, we all have not so great days and we have days where we're on hold for 75 minutes trying to change a plane ticket and you're frustrated and, you know, we, we all get frustrated. We all get stressed. None of us are perfect. We all have moments where we say things that we wish we hadn't or use a tone that is maybe unnecessarily snarky or whatever. But we also, again, it comes back to choice, right? Like we can choose to be better and to do better and to try a little harder <laughs> to, to rein in our emotions and, and think before we speak and act. It is a personal choice and it's one that we just have to keep making day after day. Agreed. Yeah. And I really, I mean, I know I was, I was thinking about it in the car just even this morning about thinking about how everyone we're interacting with is a brother or a sister and definitely someone's child. I mean, that there's that connection that someone that probably each person we meet is someone's special person. Like, and yeah. so how do, how do we honor that? Like, maybe they're not our special person and we would never choose them as such, but like, how do we honor that in each person we meet instead of seeing them as like, oh, they're awful or. Right. This is, it's so true. I think about this all the time as well. There was this movie I saw when I was a little kid and I don't even remember what the movie was titled or what it was about. I, all I remember is this one scene where the mother in the movie is grieving because her son has been killed in a war. And I think she's like, somehow she's talking to the man who killed him or like to the soldier from the opposing side and she's crying and she's grieving and she just says, you know, he was my son. Every boy is some mother's son. Mm. And I, I don't know why, but like, I've never forgotten that one moment. It was so emotional and just such a powerful reminder that, yeah, everyone is someone's son. Everyone is someone's daughter. You know, everyone is someone's special person, as you put it. And everyone is a person, period. <laughs> you know, right. we're, we're all just doing our best and we're all just trying to get through this life and, and it's so easy to be so cold and careless with one another. It's like that song by Morrissey uh, from the Smiths where he says, you know, it's, it takes strength to be gentle and kind. Mm. And 
it's so true. You know, it's, it's easy to be careless. It's easy to be snarky. It's easy to just sort of vent your emotions thoughtlessly because uh, it feels good in that moment to vent like that. But it takes strength to be compassionate and gentle and kind. And it's a strength that we all need to develop more of, I think. I just love that you just quoted Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. He's a wise one, that guy. Um, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. I have so many great memories of eating burritos and just singing along to their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a great moment. <laughs> oh, it was. Yeah, that's a college moment. You know, where you get that <laughs> nugget of the burrito and you're like, oh, this is good. Anyway. Totally. Um, <laughs> just gone down my own memory lane right there. Um, <laughs> let's see. If somebody wants to find out more, I mean, I guess I'm, I'll cut, I'll edit this out a little bit, but like, oh, I don't want to end, but I'll get us to the last couple of questions because I also want to honor your time. Uh, let's see. So if, if people want to find out more about your book, where is, uh, I mean, do you want to tell us a little bit about it and when it's coming out and how they can find out more about it? Yeah, definitely. So the book, again, is called You're Going to Survive. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, IndieBound, all the usual websites. You're going to survive. Just search for it and it will pop up. And uh, if you're listening to this before December 15th, you can pre-order. And if you're listening to this on or after December 15th, you can regular order. (laughs) And uh, you'll also find it at hopefully your local bookstore. I I know it's not going to be in every bookstore in the world, but maybe at your local bookstore. And (laughs) if not, your, your friendly local bookstore person can probably order it for you. So, yeah, you can find it all around. And you can also, of course, come to my website, which is alexandrafranzen.com. And I've got, you know, info about this book and also my other books from the past and articles and free resources and podcast links and all kinds of fun stuff to check out. So that's where you go. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I especially love your how to say no or how to like decline offers. Oh, um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) Very helpful if you're unsure of how to politely decline something. It's yeah, I, I love that one. I love that one. I, I love saying no. And it, for me, it's all about <laughs> it's all about saying no, but then providing an alternative form of support or an alternative form of love. So, for example, you know, no, so sorry, can't meet for coffee this week, but I'd love to see you at my dinner party next month. It's happening on the 14th, you know, blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, no, I, I actually don't give free advice via email, but, you know, here's an awesome free ebook that I wrote that might help you out, or, or here's another resource to check out. So you can always say no while still providing something else that might be helpful or inspiring or loving that feels good for you to give. That's my philosophy on saying no. And it's, it has gotten some good reactions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. Well, yeah, because we all feel, I mean, we probably all feel a little, I don't know, cringy to say no, especially when someone's being flattering and, and offering or asking for our advice or our input. But yeah, there does get to be a point where it's just not possible to be there for everyone every time. So thank you yeah. for putting that out there. It's, it's, of course. It's my pleasure. And you also offer classes and retreats and stuff. Your retreat looks like it's just amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I do uh, writing retreats in Hawaii because Hawaii is the best place to be. <laughs> and uh, they're really fun. We, we're in 2018. I'm doing a couple of them. Uh, I'll probably do 
four in total. And they're either five days or seven days. We stay at this amazing property. Everyone gets their own bedroom and bathroom and lots of privacy and space. And we have fitness classes and yoga classes and massages and beach trips and lots and lots of time every day to just write, to work on some kind of creative project. And what's really fun is that everyone's working on something slightly different. So, you know, there might be one person working on a screenplay and one person working on a book and one person who's, you know, putting together season one of their podcast. And so it's just a fun, creative vibe. Everyone's kind of at a different point in their creative journey. Everyone's doing their own thing. But we all sort of feed off of each other's excitement and, and energy. And it's, it's great. Yeah, super fun. Mm. Yes, that does sound amazing. Because it's so important to have spaces. I mean, if you don't have it like physically or like with a group of people where somebody supports you and gets you and knows what it's like to be in there. Like, yeah, it's so hard to be creative when you're trying to do it in isolation. That's uh, yeah. Well, and there's also something about, I mean, we talked about this earlier on this podcast of just the act of scheduling the time. I mean, I, I have people, I've had numerous people who sign up for a retreat and they tell me like, it's such a big deal for me just to even put five days on my calendar that are just for me and just for writing. Like that's a huge, it's almost like a big signal to yourself that I'm taking this seriously, you know, and and I'm really making space for this. And that can feel so good Mm because we rarely do that for ourselves. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) it is true. We rarely do. Well, this has been so much fun. I'll get us to our last couple questions, unless you have anything else you'd like to add about the book or your work or. Um, no, thanks for all the great questions. Okay. So yeah. Fun. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. So where have you seen resistance come up in your life and how have you overcome it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Where haven't I seen it? Um, <laughs> I would say some resistance I'm feeling right now just at this, you know, literally today is I have a couple of new things that I want to do in 2018, you know, in my business, new offerings, new services, new classes. And I'm, one issue is that I have too many ideas and I know that I need to cut it down and I need to, you know, do one or two of those things next year and then save the rest for 2019, 2020, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm feeling a little bit like I need a day, you know, to really sit quietly and decide what am I doing next year and what am I not? Because until I make that decision, I know I'm going to feel hesitant about announcing anything, you know, and, and starting to put the word out there. So that's something I'm feeling right now. And I think that's a pretty common one for a lot of people, especially really creative people is like, too many fun things, too many ideas <laughs> that we want to do all at once. But yeah, all at once is not always the best approach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, well, and it is. That is, it's, and then you feel stuck, but for like good reasons, kind of, but it could be confusing. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and then what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Oh, jumpstart joy. You know, (laughs) I am such a big fan of the handwritten note. Mm. I I actually created a whole book about this a couple of years ago called 50 Ways to Say You're Awesome. And I have just seen in my own life, you know, 
a handwritten thank you note or a handwritten love note or a handwritten compliment, it's such a rare thing these days. You know, we're always on email and texting and this and that, and that's great. But when you hand someone, you know, a handwritten thank you note, their eyes light up, their mouth drops open. I mean, they, they can't believe it. It's like, <laughs> it's like Christmas. And it's such a simple thing to do. It can take you one minute, you know, to write it out on a little postcard or whatever. But I think that's such a simple way to jumpstart joy for yourself and for someone else. And if it's been a long, long, long time since you've written a handwritten note to someone, I recommend that you do it because it feels so good and creates such a positive ripple effect. And two other ways to jumpstart joy, music for sure. I Mm -hmm. love music. I'm constantly listening to music and discovering new music. It's probably the fastest way that I have to shift my mood into a more joyful place. And I also, (laughs) one thing that brings me so much joy is making my bed. I don't know why, but it just (laughs) makes me so happy. And when it's unmade, I just feel like nothing is okay in the world. And when my pillows are fluffed and everything is nice, I just feel like I can proceed onward (laughs) with my life. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's funny and related, but like there's been a couple guests who have said similar things about, you know, about keeping things orderly and even... Some people have professed their love for the Roomba. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I want a Roomba so bad. That's totally on my list. Maybe it'll be like a holiday gift to myself or something like that. Highly recommend them. Yes, I have one. (laughs) Need it. (laughs) It's worth it. It's worth it. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for being on the show. This has been such a treat to get to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. Have a joyful day. Thank you. Alex, thank you so much for joining me and for sharing all of the amazing cut to the chase creative insights that you've shared here. You can find the links to everything we've talked about here, including the links to Alex's books on our website and how to get in touch with her and purchase the book. And that's over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 112. If you're looking for her brand new book, You're Going to Survive comes out on December 15th. And you can find the link to that in the show notes. You can also pre-order it on Amazon or other booksellers. Be sure and go pick it up because it is a really wonderful book. If you've liked what you've heard in this episode, I invite you to join me for more interviews with authors like Michelle Ward, Kate Courageous, and Alison Arngrim. Yes, Alison played Nellie Olson on Little House on the Prairie. You can find links to these episodes in the show notes or... You could look for Jumpstart Your Joy on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Player FM. New episodes come out on Tuesday mornings, so you're going to want to be sure and subscribe on iTunes. And if you're there, would you do me a favor and leave a five-star review? I hope that you'll come back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.